We're going to keep going in our uh, parable series that we started a few weeks ago. And um, uh, this is one of those parables that most of us have probably heard. Well, if you've been in Living Hope very long, I know you've heard it because I, I bring it up quite often. And, um, but it is, it's one of those parables, again, it's not necessarily hard to understand, but it is hard to follow. And so, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go down that road this morning. It's a parable about greed. And um, now, greed is one of those things that we all recognize when we see it, and except when it's in our, ourselves. Uh, it's really easy. Like, we know greed. And, like, I grew up watching greed on TV every day after school. I saw Scrooge McDuck swimming in gold coins. And... And, uh, and so I know what greed looks like, right? You know, that's the stereotypical image of greed. And I think when we, when we view, when we have this view of greed, I'm getting a lot of ringing up here, guys. Guys, I'm getting a lot of ringing up here. Um, and so I think when we have this view of greed, we tend, if you're like me, you tend to think of it in terms of, um, well, again, like I said, we, we don't look at ourselves necessarily and go, dang it, I'm so greedy, right? We, we tend to, we recognize it in other people, and we tend to think of it in terms of stingy, somebody who wants uh, everything, and they want it just for themselves, right? They don't want to share. That's, that's what greed is, uh, I think, when we define it today. That's not necessarily the biblical definition of greed. And, and when Jesus is talking about greed in this passage that he's getting ready, well, let me just read you what he says here right in the beginning. Uh, Luke 12, verses, uh, start with verse 13. So someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's kind of a weird thing to bring to Jesus. And uh, Jesus replied, man, who, who? <laughs> I'm sure he didn't say it like that. <laughs> man, <laughs> but well, maybe he did. So man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And uh, then he said this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Uh, watch out, be on guard against all. So, so right off the bat, he's telling us greed is something that we need to be cautious about. We need to be on the lookout for in our, live, uh, in our lives. Uh, and so, but when, when he was talking about greed, and you'll see it come in as we get into this story, and, and, and the way he, even the way he defines that here, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The way the... They defined greed in the ancient world was it wasn't this idea of somebody who was stingy who just wanted to keep everything for themselves necessarily. Greed was a person who was all about the accumulation of things, the building up of one's possessions. Whether they were sharing them or not wasn't really the point. If, if you're a person that just can't get enough of getting more and more things, then that's what a greedy person was. And how convenient that we've changed the definition, right? Especially for us as, you know, relatively, uh, you know, um, at least by com comparison with other parts of the world, relatively wealthy Americans. You know, like Jeff, I don't know who you're talking about, these wealthy Americans. But again, it's all about perspective. People in other parts of the world would look at you no matter who you are in this room right now and would probably consider you wealthy. Probably would. And, and this is what I know of even, and, and, and you know, the, the middle class and the, and the you know, uh, 
underprivileged in this country. Um, we've been sold this, this kind of bill of goods that happiness is in getting stuff. It's in getting the, the, the latest, you know, phone, um, you know, getting a, a new car. It's in constantly upgrading your house until you finally reach whatever size house you think. By the way, has anybody driven through the new neighborhood over here yet, like secretly? I did the other day. I, I, you're not supposed to go past those barriers, but I did. So these new houses, some of these new houses over there, I'm, I'm just going to put a little uh, greed seed in your heart right now. Um, some of these new houses over there, they have these garages that are huge, huge. And when I say huge, I don't mean like three, four-car garages. I mean they have these garages that are two or three times as tall as normal garages so you can park your RV in your house. I don't have an RV, but I kind of want an RV garage now, right? <laughs> Just so I can get an RV to put in it, right? <laughs> right? And so that's, what, that's where this kind of greed stuff kind of kicks in with us. It's like... It's that we're constantly looking to, to get and acquire more. And you guys know as well as I do, like, let's just be honest. Let's just, like, cut the BS for a second and just be honest. Like, it's a disease with us. It's a disease in this country to just get more. It doesn't really matter if you have a lot of money or a little money in this country. We're all, we're all trying to get more. We're all accumulating more. The wealthy are accumulating bigger ticket items, and those of us without a lot of money are accumulating what small ticket items we can accumulate, but we're all accumulating more. It's why a couple of years ago, two, three, four years ago, however long it was ago, when that uh, minimalism documentary came out, you guys remember that documentary that came out, minimalism? When that thing came out, did that not resonate in your heart in a really weird way? Like, it wasn't even a Christian documentary necessarily, but it was like God was speaking to you through that documentary. Like it was just, it resonated because we, there was something deep in us that realized there was, a, there was an antidote, antidote to the disease that we all suffer from in our lives. You guys have heard me talk. I'm that guy. I'm, I'm, I have to fight hard not to be that guy. I have to fight hard not to be the guy that gets a little sad and goes and buys something. It gets, you know, it's, it's feeling a case, you're having a case of the blues or whatever, and heads up, heads over to Amazon. Because they're going to send me a smiley face box in two days flat, right? And it, all will be well for a couple of hours at least. For a couple of hours at least. And we acquire and we acquire and we acquire. And I think that based on the biblical definition of greed, again, it's not, the, not necessarily stinginess, but just the constant accumulation of things. Um, I think Jesus speaks this, this parable directly, like comes through space and time this morning and speaks this parable directly to us, directly to us. And so I want you to hear what he has to say here because it's, it's powerful, it's convicting, it is, you'll see, your, I promise you're going to see yourself in this parable, and you're not going to like the character that you see yourself as in this parable. So here we go, you ready? No, you're not, I know you're not, but we're going to do it anyway, okay. So this is the parable that he tells, uh, starting in verse 16 now. He told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got all these crops that have come in. I don't have enough barns to store. Like It's just this bumper crop. What, what am I going to do? Then he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, so because we're in church and we've got our church goggles on, it's really easy to look at this guy and go, wow, that guy's got some problems. But if you, weren't, if you were outside of church and you just heard, you were talking to somebody and somebody told you a story extremely similar to this about one of your neighbors or about one of your friends or an uncle or somebody of yours. And, and, and the story was, man, oh man, uncle so-and-so, he, he just had this amazing year of sales, like, like 30 times what he thought it was gonna, he was going to bring in in sales. And it just, I mean, unbelievable windfall of cash. So much so that dude's like in his mid-30s and he gets to retire now. And you would immediately go like, man, good for Uncle So-and-so. That's awesome. How awesome is that, that he gets to retire? At a, like he's got all this stuff coming in and he just gets to like lay back and like what golf or travel or volunteer or whatever he wants to do for the rest of his life. Good for him. Like, I wish I'd get that kind of windfall, and I wish that would happen to me. Like, that's the American dream. Like, what Jesus described in this, this parable is literally the American dream. It is, it is that idea of if I work hard enough, eventually, maybe, 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 maybe if I play my cards right, or maybe if, if God shines his face on me or whatever, maybe enough will hit me. I'll get a big enough inheritance. I'll get a big enough payday one day. I'll get a big enough whatever. My investments will just go through the roof, and I'll get to retire early. Just take back easy. Drink cocktails or mocktails or whatever, right? Like, like that's, that's it. That's the American dream. And so, again, take your church goggles off. If we're not sitting in this room right now, every single one of you would be going like, thumbs up, job well done. You didn't do anything, but good for you, right? Glad it went well for you. That is not Jesus' view of this dude. Now, I want you to also remember that so far, this guy has not really done, at least, on, at least to our American eyes, has not done anything that seems incredibly evil. He just had a good year. <laughs> he just had a good year. And it was like, I get to retire now. So what's up with that? And by the way, that's the end of the parable. Jesus is going to give us an explanation, but that's the end of the story. He doesn't go off and murder somebody now, right? That's it. That's as, what, what you have heard is as bad as it gets. Here it comes. This is, this is Jesus' punchline to this very familiar story. He says this. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, like, what has Jesus got against saving? Like, why, why is he so down on saving? I thought we, we've always been told we should be saving. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't have anything. In fact, there's plenty of scriptures in, in, in the Bible that talk about the wisdom of saving. Nothing wrong with saving. Nothing wrong with saving for your retirement. Nothing wrong with, with in fact, the Bible uh, praises that. Nothing wrong with saving for a rainy day. The Bible praises that. 
There's nothing wrong with living your life so that you can leave an inheritance to your kid. The Bible, the Bible praises that as wisdom too. There's nothing wrong with any of that kind of traditional financial wisdom of, of, of things that are good and things that are worthy of setting goals for. There's nothing wrong with any of that. So why did God get so mad at this guy for having a bumper crop and retiring early and just be like, okay, dude, you, I'm, I'm taking your life now. And then who's going to get your stuff? And the reason is, it, here, here it is, this is the clincher. This is what, this is, if we want to talk about like what is the kingdom way of doing money, what is the kingdom of God way of doing wealth, this is it right here. This dude, this guy's sin was that he just immediately assumed it was all for him. He just immediately assumed it was all for him. I, I gotta, I, I'll raise my hand high this morning and, and, and admit, I've, I've committed this sin many times. Many times. But, I, but it wasn't, you know, sleeping with somebody outside my marriage, so we're okay with it. I didn't, I didn't stab anybody in the neck, so we're okay with it. But the punishment is pretty severe here. He just assumed it was all for him. And that is so, that attitude that exists, I'm going to say, in most of us in this room, I'm not saying we don't ever share. I'm not saying we don't ever ask ourselves that question. I'm saying we still, if you're honest with yourself, most of us, there are some of you that are more evolved spiritually than, than, than some of us, and, I, and that's awesome. But I, was, I, would, I would guess that for most of us, we still assume whatever comes our way is meant for us, and we rarely pause to like whisper a prayer to go, God, thank you for this. I don't know what your purpose is in it. But if there's a purpose beyond me, let me know. We rarely pause and whisper that prayer. I've done it some, but it's not de- a default for me yet. It's not a default for me yet. Because I've got that disease. I like the idea. I mean, we, we all, we do. If you're in a family, if you, I mean, or, or even if you're not in a family, it doesn't really matter. We all do this thing where we sit around and kind of daydream about, you know, if I got that big paycheck, if I got that bonus, what I would go spend it on, what I would do, I'd finally be able to buy that house, I'd finally be able to do, you know, whatever, take that trip, I'd finally be able to get, you know, get rid of my old giant HP computer that sits under the desk and get something a little more sexy, right? I'd, whatever, I'd, I'd be able to do and get and acquire because we're always just kind of looking out that way. And this mentality is so contrary to the kingdom that Jesus came here to build. Because what, what, what's the one word that, that we've, we've talked about over and over and over, what's the one word that describes what Jesus' kingdom is supposed to be all about? You know what? The only good four-letter word. You ready? Love. Right. Right. <laughs> Love. It's love. And it's not just love by telling someone that you love them. It's not just love by noticing someone that's having a hard day and spending some time with them, even though that's all well and good and you should do those things. It's love put into action, even action with our stuff and our money. 
Like, how well are we loving the world through what we have? How, what we've been blessed with? How well, like, that's when, that's when love kind of, I think this is why Jesus talked about so mon- money so much. Jesus talked about money a lot, actually. And it wasn't because he was after your money. Jesus was after your heart, and he just knows our hearts are tied really closely to our money. He knows our hearts are tied really closely to our money. And the kingdom is going to be established when we stop worshiping the things of this world and we stop worshiping the accumulation of wealth and the accumulation of stuff and we instead get a bigger charge and a bigger high out of giving and blessing and sharing and sacrificing. That's when love begins to really look like love. There's other ways besides money and stuff, things that you can, how, how you can express love, but, but I'm saying when, did you guys hear the story just the other day? It was just on the news. Some billionaire, like multi-billionaire guy had made a promise to himself that, uh, that he would um, die broke, that he would die, uh, that he would give away all his money before he died, and that he would die broke. He just, I don't know what motivated him to think that way, but that was just something that was important to him. And so uh, they, they, <laughs> they released the story just, it was literally just a week or two ago that this guy had completed his goal. He had given away all of his wealth and just, and he had, <laughs> I'm not making fun of it. It's just, it's just funny the way things, you know, get twisted. Like I said, it's all about perspective. But he had just kept a, a, a mere pittance of like, you know, $3 million to live the rest of his life on. And, uh, and so and I was like, oh, I wish I could get that pittance. <laughs> like we define pittance a little differently than he defines pittance, but, but that's still, that's good. I'm not, like, it's, it's awesome that he did. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of life left to live and he wants to make sure that, you know, he's taken care of and has a place to live and food to eat and all that kind of stuff and whatever. That's fine. But he gave away billions. He didn't want to take it to the grave with him. Why? Because what did Jesus says there? Uh, then who will get what you've prepared prepared for yourself? Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And the kingdom of God grows and flourishes when we love, like in all ways, including loving through what we've been blessed with by sharing and giving and sacrificing. The kingdom grows and it flourishes. This world is defined by power and greed and stinginess and all that kind of stuff. And... And the Bible has no shortage of bad words about those things and, and judgment talk about people who embrace such models for living. But it's all flipped on its head when God's people, citizens of his kingdom, learn how to build this kingdom in this world by stop, just stop doing something as simple as just stopping and asking the Holy Spirit, was this meant for me or did you have another plan for it? Was it meant for me, or did you have another plan for it? So, two big points, one negative, one positive. First one, negative. Greed dehumanizes you, and it devalues the kingdom. It dehumanizes, and when we're talking about greed here, I'd I'd like to replace that with, like, I don't know, materialism or or some other word that better describes the way Jesus was talking about greed here. But it, it dehumanizes you. It keeps you from being less than the human that God had intended you to be, lest his image bearer 
that God intended you to be. And it devalues the kingdom. When we are greedy, when we're all only about the accumulation of stuff and things and wealth, and that's what our whole life is about, then the kingdom is hindered. Because as citizens of his kingdom, we're supposed to be outward-focused, love-focused, not self-focused. The flip side of that same coin is this, is that giving reveals Christ in you, and it builds the kingdom. Giving reveals the image of God in you. It reveals Jesus Christ in you because our God has a giving heart. He's a generous God. And it builds up his kingdom. We don't have to wait for heaven to see the kingdom come to fruition. When we become a giving, generous, loving people right here, right now, and we walk in that light and we default to that way of thinking, then the kingdom starts to come early. The world begins to transform in ways that the world was not expecting it to transform. You guys know we live in a weird, broken world. And there's not one person in here that's probably expecting it to get better. Not one of us is expecting that things are just going to magically get better someday. We tend to have this attitude that's probably just going to kind of keep getting worse and worse and worse and eroding values and all that kind of stuff. And eventually then God will come, you know, kill all the bad people and, and, and save all the good people and all, all will be well. <laughs> the big problem with that, first of all, that way of thinking is a little faulty in and of itself. But even if that version of eternity was true, you need to be really careful about making sure you define good and bad people the way Jesus defines good and bad people. <laughs> Giving reveals Jesus in you and it builds up the kingdom. Like I want to be, you guys have heard me talk about this before if you've been here very long. Like I, I recognize in myself a tendency towards selfishness. And, and I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want to be that person. I want to be more generous. I want to be more um, a, a person who lifts up others around me instead of just thinking about what's best for me. I want to be, um, I've been the recipient of so much generosity in my life. I want to be able to bless others in, in at least similar ways as the way I've been blessed over the course of my life. I want that for myself. I really do. And I, it's something that comes up often in my prayer life when I'm praying you know, to the Lord and I, I'm asking him, transform my heart, make me a more generous person. And I'm, and I'm seeing progress. You know? I'm not there yet, but I'm seeing progress. And so I assume that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a similar desire. You want to, be, uh, you want to have that spirit of generosity that Christ wants his people to be marked by. Okay? Again, and, and don't confuse what we're talking, don't confuse this parable and what we're talking about today as some sort of like big drive to give to the church. That's not what we're talking about here. It's just this simple, like, you know, being able to do the mental gymnastics to get yourself to finally get to the point to where you don't assume everything that comes your way is for you, that possibly it could be meant for someone else or something else. And so, let me give you just a few tips for kind of living and developing an anti-greed life, okay? You want to, you want to work on living an anti-greed life, it starts with this way. First, first off, what, what is this one? Never assume that the extra is for you. Never assume that the extra that comes your way is for you. This is a hard one. 
the harvest. Why put it first? It's a hard one. And Jesus knew it was a hard one or he wouldn't have told this parable. But never assume that the extra is for you. You, you and I are agents, citizens of God's kingdom sent out into this world to spread his kingdom throughout this world. To begin to, by the work that we do, by the love that we show, to begin to help this world look more and more like the kingdom of God. And the more of us that get out there doing that, really and truly living these kingdom values, not the fake, uh, uh, false prophet kingdom values that we see so often of Christian organizations where the CEOs are flying around on private jets and making multi-million dollar paychecks and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Most of those organizations are just there to prop up politicians or whoever else. I'm talking about genuine flesh and blood, Christ-following people going out in the world like you and I and doing the best we can to show love in every possible way at every possible opportunity. And part of that is us, when, when we get a windfall, we all get a windfall eventually. Something good financially will come your way eventually. And when it does, you get so excited and so just, ah, you know, you get the dollar signs in your eyes or whatever where you're just like, ah, finally, finally, finally. That you just start planning how you're going to use it or do you stop and take a moment for just a second to, to just whisper a prayer, God, is this meant for me? Or did you have it planned for something else? I know some of you are like that. Some of you are, are beautiful that way. I hear the stories. I hear the stories. I've, I've, I've heard from, from many of you over the years of some, some load of cash kind of comes your way, something unexpected, a piece of property, maybe an inheritance or something, comes your way. And, and I've heard you tell me the stories. I, I, I stopped and I prayed and I asked God what, what, was, you know, what his plan for this was. And then so-and-so popped into my head that was in need, and I was able to reach out and supply a need for them. And maybe they knew about it, and maybe they didn't. But you just took that moment to lift up a prayer, and God's kingdom grew by that much more. Beautiful. Beautiful when that happens. And we need to be people, first off, that never assume that the extra is for us. The second one is this. Leave margin in your life for generosity. Most of us, if you do a budget at all, have that budget down to the penny of how every, every bill has to get paid and you know every little savings account, your Christmas account, and your vacation account, and all this kind of stuff is being funded, and you've got it maxed out, maxed out. And I want to say leave some margin in there for generosity. God has raised you up to be agents of love, agents of change in this world. And one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that you'll be able to do that is if you have margin in your life to be able to bless someone when you recognize someone in need. But if you're living to the bare, you know, to the, to the, to the, to the razor edge of life financially and there's no wiggle room at all, like what if you didn't, what if you didn't buy everything that you could afford? Like what if you intentionally I remember the, the first time uh, Jamie and I sat down with a real estate agent. This was years ago. Uh, we, were, we were, you know, thinking about getting into a house. And, and this person was a very, and you guys have probably sat with these people too, but very aggressive real estate agent. 
really aggressive. Really aggressive, like, okay, how much do you make? And we told him how much we made, how much you got in savings, and so we're sharing all that kind of stuff. All right, so then I think, you know, you could probably afford this much, but it was way more than what we could actually afford. But, but she wanted us right there on the razor's edge of what was possible. And we just immediately looked at each other and we was like, this, this is not the agent for us. She will have us being a slave to the bank for the rest of our life. And so don't live life so close. Intentionally scale back. Maybe you can afford a certain rental or a certain house or a certain car or whatever, but maybe if you went a step or two lower than that, you'd actually experience some freedom in your life. You'd actually experience some freedom. Don't assume it's all for you and leave a little margin there so God can use you and build a kingdom. And then the last one is similar, and it's this one. Build wealth for a kingdom legacy. Now, the reason I put this in here with these words is this, is because a lot of us have this kind of thinking that the way to be Christ-like is to just be poor. Like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just not going to make any money. I don't need any money. Uh, and so, so that's the way I'll be Christ-like. And the way you be Christ-like is not necessarily just, just by being poor. For some of you, you'll be called to go make a ton of money and give it all away. Some of you are real, like, like honestly, and I, I don't mean anything weird by this, it's just an honest statement of truth. Some of you are blessed to be able to know how to make money come your way. I mean, you're just blessed that way. Like, you couldn't keep money away from you if you tried. It just, it just, you're just that type of person that whatever you do succeeds, whatever job you get into, you thrive in that job, and, you know, whatever it happens. But money just tends to kind of come your way, and it's just the way you're built. And you shouldn't feel bad about that. Go ahead and make as much money as you can and build the kingdom with it. Leave a kingdom legacy. What did Jesus say there in that last phrase again when he says, uh, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Like it's not about you making a bunch of money and just preparing it all for yourself and all that kind of stuff, but you can make however much money. And it's not just this is just not a teaching to the wealthy. Those of us, we live in a world where, where even... The, the commonest of us can build wealth in this world with some discipline, with some discipline. And we can build wealth in such a way that we are building up the kingdom of God. And again, I'm not talking about building wealth like I built up this big old ministry and now I've got the biggest house and five private jets. That's not what I'm talking about. That's fake. That's false. That's just flat out evil. I'm talking about people who just do what God has blessed them to do, and when the stuff starts coming at them, they're looking at how can I build the kingdom? How can I build the kingdom? Can I, can I, can I send a missionary to a place where the gospel hasn't gone yet? Can I, can I finance a, a project in my own community where there was a need, and now after this, maybe there won't be a need? Can I finance uh, uh, something for the, the, the teen ministry in our church to bless the teens in such a way that would get them off in a place where they would be able to more clearly, without distractions, hear, hear, the, hear the voice of God in their life and begin a new journey of following him? 
on, I mean, I could list thousands of examples of ways that people invest into the kingdom. Maybe it's just getting enough wealth so that you can live with that margin and bless people when, peop- when people's needs start coming your way because they will. When you've got money to give, you'll start seeing places to give it. You'll start seeing places to give it. There's nothing wrong with you guys saving up for a retirement. There's nothing wrong with, with any of that. It's a good thing and you should be doing it. Let's just not be that, those people that Jesus calls greedy. And let's be honest, if Jesus was walking with us right now, if he was the one up here teaching this parable right now instead of me, I think most of us would feel pretty convicted by this. I think we would. Because our whole way and thinking around life tends to be, and that's, and that's the thing, Jesus wants to pull us out of our natural ways of thinking about life and about wealth and about love, and about generosity, and all that kind of stuff, and and change up our thinking because the way this world does life isn't working, but Jesus has got a way that will work. His kingdom way will work. The way of love will work. The way of love will transform this world into something so much better than what it is, and that is why Jesus came. If you are here this morning still thinking that the, reasons Jesus, that the reason Jesus came and died on the cross was so that you could go to heaven, it's like you're missing the bigger picture. Yes, that's, that fact is true, but it misses the bigger point. Jesus didn't come and die and go through all that he went through just so that you could go to heaven. He came because there was a larger project in view, and it's the transformation of this entire world. Away from the, 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 the worldviews of doing life around power and money and wealth and all of that kind of stuff to, to being people of love who... who share with those that don't have as much as maybe you have, or, or even maybe sharing with somebody who has more than you have. It doesn't really matter. But a people who have a mindset of sharing, a people who have a mindset of giving, a people who have a mindset of serving, a people who have a mindset of going into this world and, and doing beautiful things instead of taking advantage of people. That's what Jesus was trying to do. That's what ultimately his kingdom coming to this world in in its fullness, whenever that finally happens, that's what that's all about. It's not just to get you in a place because you've been poor or middle class or whatever your whole life and so that eventually you'll be walking on streets of gold and walking through pearly gates and living in a mansion. That's not what this kingdom is all about. It's about the transformation of this world. So let's, like, let's partner with him in that. Get a clear view of God's call in your life. It's to be difference makers in this world. To, be diff- to, to do family difference. To do whatever your occupation is different. To do money different. Like, all of that. Like, let's be that people. You guys are staring at me like a cow looking at a new gate right now. And I'm telling you, this is the path forward. 
You want to see the kingdom of heaven? This is the path forward. I'm not saying buying your way into the kingdom. I'm saying use what God has given you to build up the kingdom right here and right now. Does that make sense? That's what this is all about. I think it makes sense, but if you're like me, you're, you're sitting here going, you know it makes sense, but it's really hard to do. And that's true. It is hard to do. It's going to require some rearranging of your priorities or rearranging of the way you think about life and things. And You can do it, though. We can do it. This is what Christ has called us for. This morning has been great worshiping together, but ultimately Christ didn't call us just to come and sit in a room and sing songs together, even though that's great and it's powerful and we love it and there's a purpose and a greatness behind it. Like he's called us to do what we're going to do what we, when we leave this room, when we walk outside these walls and we take the kingdom ethic, the kingdom value of love into this world. This is not the end of your time with Christ this week. Hopefully this just gives you a little recharge so you can get out there and do what you're called to do. So let's go do that, amen? Let's do that. We can do this. Like You guys have a natural bent towards love and generosity like few churches do. I'm just going to be honest with you. You guys are halfway there already. You, 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 you get, for the most part, you get what this is all about. Like we talked about last week, it's one thing to get it, it's another thing to live it. And we need to start like actually living it. So go home, have some hard conversations with your budget, have some hard conversations with your spouse, have some hard conversations you know, with, with, with just the way that you view life and do some rearranging if you need to do some rearranging. But like we've talked about before, you can't outgive God. If you're worried about giving and, you know, creating more margin in your life for generosity or whatever. You're like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to make it? You can't outgive God. Go ahead, step out in faith and see what happens. You might have to rearrange some things. You might have to let a few things go that aren't necessary, that are, that are more luxuries or whatever, but that's fine. That's fine. Go take this kingdom life, this life of love to the world and see what happens. That's, that's what, when really beautiful things begin to happen. Let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and I thank you so much for um, a church uh, in Living Hope here that, that is already so generous, that they already have a lot of this mindset in them. And I thank you for transforming us into the way that you've, you've transformed us so far. But God, I, I'll admit that I'm not there yet. Yes, I'm further down the road than I used to be, but I'm not, I'm not fully arrived. I'm not fully transformed. So God, continue to root out my selfish heart. Continue to transform my thinking into thinking that is selfless. Transform my attitudes about my, um, my possessions my income, transform my attitude about them and help me to hold them with an open hand so that you can um, take them and use them for your purposes at any moment and I wouldn't hesitate. God, I pray that you would actually give us more opportunities to be generous. Give us more opportunities 
to share what we have and to bless those around us. And God, I, I pray that when that happens, it wouldn't feel like obligation, but it would just be, it would just spring up joy in our hearts when we do that. So God, help us to uh, redefine the way even that we experience joy in our life. I know the joy that comes from that smiley face box only lasts for a little bit. And so God, give me a joy that lasts much longer. And God, help me to do joy and help, help me to do love in a way that's lasting longer than what I'm experiencing now. So again, we just lay ourselves at your feet and we say, just transform us into the people that you are, you are already transforming us into. But God, help us to daily submit ourselves to you. Help us to daily realize that we're not there yet and that you're still working on us and that we still have a ways to go. And, and even find joy in that journey, God. And God, if there's anybody in the room right now that is that has an, an attitude about Christianity as, as if it is a faith that is selfish, judgmental, hypocritical, God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and show them that it doesn't have to be that way. That yes, it absolutely is that way in a lot of people and in a lot of churches, but it doesn't have to be that way and that's not the church that you're trying to build and you're trying to create. And God, give them a vision for what could be that burns in their heart that they can't help but get in on and, and join in on. Pray you would plant those seeds right now. We love you, and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you tell these stories that that seem very simple but are uh, very convicting. And I pray that these stories would would take root in our lives and stick there, not just as a story, but as a story to live our lives by. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.